This episode of Talking Home Renovations is supported by NCARB, the National Council of Architectural Registration Boards. You are listening to Talking Home Renovations with a House Maven. Is it time to renovate your house, but you're worried that you don't really know what you're doing? This is an educational and entertaining podcast that will ease your fears. Or maybe you just love hearing about home renovations like I do. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect. I practice in Eastern Massachusetts. On the show, I interview other architects, vendors, contractors, and homeowners to gather tips and stories about home renovations. You can learn about materials, systems, sustainable practices, what to expect, what to avoid, and how to make the most of the money that you'll spend on your renovation. My guests this week are Alan and Nancy Benoit. Their architecture firm is called Sustainable Design in Vermont. And in this episode, we're talking about their project. They're building their own house using their principles and values that they use in all their projects, which is why they are highly sought after all along the East Coast. They inspire me. They create beautiful work. And I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the show, Alan and Nancy. Thank you for having us. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited. We've been trying to get this uh, together for a while. So tell me about the images you sent me earlier. Yeah, so um, most of those images are the process that we're going through for the renovation of our house. Um, so it's a 1880s farmhouse, about 1,700 square feet, which is huge by comparison because we're currently in an 800 square foot uh, little brick cottage. The house, when we purchased it in 2018, was sitting on a marble rubble foundation probably two thirds of it was on a crawl space area. A marble rubble foundation. So people would pay a lot of money for that, it seems, but it's just what they used back in the, there was remnants of marble from a quarry. Yeah, so Dorset is the site of the oldest marble quarry in the United States and this house is in Dorset. So um, they probably took the scrap mm -hmm. bits and used that for stone walls and chimneys and foundations all over the area. We're, we're in the marble corridor so we have marble sidewalks and they use it as like riprap on the side of the roads and, <laughs> you know, it's scrap, which is um, interesting. Yeah, that's But we love the marble. We love the marble. We saved it. We saved every piece of it um, that we're reusing um, actually to reline our new pond, which we didn't know we were going to have a pond and yeah. how all of this it's all connected to our renovation and, and what's happened. Yeah, I think we've learned how to roll with the punches like we expect our clients to be able to do. <laughs> right. Good. You know, I feel like we've been through so much more for some reason, because with all of our projects, I feel like, well, like even if something doesn't go to plan, we're here to say, well, it's okay. We'll figure it out. And this is what happens and it's all good. But for some reason, anything that could be weird um, has happened to our project. Yes. Yes, definitely. Murphy's law has applied to our renovation. Right. So, so when that house was moved, um, it had to go in two different directions, which wasn't what we planned. Otherwise it was going to hit our septic, which was in a different location than we thought it would. And they hit a spring and a lot of water came up, so. Yeah, so we had a high water table, we had our septic system, 
and there was a 15 gallon per minute spring all where we wanted to put the house. <laughs> mm, which is now the pond, I assume. Um, so the 15 gallon a minute spring feeds the pond. Um, there, there was always a pond on the site and the previous owners kind of used it as a dumping ground. Oh. Um, so it was filled with car parts and mattresses and random bits of glass and <laughs> You're all those painting things quite a want. picture. Yeah. <laughs> it was everything but water. Yeah. <laughs> there was some frogs wow. living in there and there was some water crests and there was some swampy bits. But. Okay. Okay. So why were you moving the house to begin with? First, we wanted to lift it to, because it wasn't on a foundation. Uh, most of it was just on rubble. Um, and then the foundation that was there was made out of marble, had a lot of gaps in it and was only about five feet tall. So you could never quite stand up down there. Um, so we definitely wanted to put it on a new foundation. It was, I think it was only about seven feet from the town line, like the, the road right of way. So we had very little true front yard that was ours. Um, so we, we decided we'd like to move it away from the road a bit just to give us a little more breathing room in the front. At our current house, we have 120 feet to the road. Um, yeah. and this, this house was like seven feet from the town right of way. Um, is that an expensive or difficult undertaking to pick up a house like that and move it? No, it, it's been the cheapest thing that we've done. <laughs> Unbelievably, um, in this whole project. Yes, I don't understand it. And the whole process was, uh, and we, we've moved, had houses moved plenty of times in all these years of all our projects, but um, to actually be there when they're really doing it. And these guys were unbelievable. They actually moved it sideways by hand. Wow. Two, two men yeah. moving, they moved, moved the house. 17 feet with, with basically come alongs on, and the house was on steel rollers. And mm -hmm. um, they just had these come alongs with steel cables and they cranked, ratcheted, and uh, the house wow. moved the 17 feet to the side. Mm -hmm. Yep. But then it turned out that that couldn't the house couldn't go where you'd wanted it to go is that yes and then you had to find a new spot yeah yeah so the uh the 17 feet was to get away from the um, septic system and then uh when we were moving it back uh, we had to go 40 feet to kind of get away from the spring really being under the middle of the foundation it's still under our basement slab at this time um but they were able to pipe it in a way to get it out from under there. So there's a bunch of underground pipes mm. under our slab and then running out to daylight to the new pond, the restored pond. Nice. Well, it sounds, it sounds lovely so far. All right. So then, <laughs> so <laughs> I mean the pond at least. So then what happened? So you raised it way up, you built a new foundation in the new spot. Yes. And then we said, wow, we've got a much bigger foundation than we ever planned on having. Maybe we'll have a finished basement, which was, wasn't really part of our original plan. Yeah, because of the high water table, we had to raise the house four feet higher out of the ground than we had anticipated. So when you're excavating for a foundation, you usually have you know 100 cubic yards of extra soil and fill that you have to figure out what to do with, truck it off site typically. Um, but that wasn't the case for us. Our house was sticking six feet out of the ground all of a sudden. So we used that fill to regrade around our house and uh, try to make it look like it belonged on the site a little better. But it did give us the opportunity to have actual windows in our basement. So we have we don't have a walkout basement because it's a flat site. 
um, but we do have five windows down there that really brightens up the space. And, and the basement actually is our access to our greenhouse. So um, the, the, it's sort of like a pit greenhouse and the foundation is the base of the greenhouse. And with a glass door there on the, which the greenhouse is on the opposite side of the windows, it'll just illuminate yeah. that, the space. And we're really excited to have this whole new area that we weren't planning on. Yeah, every time something goes wrong with the project, it, it turns out to be a, a blessing in disguise. Right. Well, that, you know what, that is a perfect attitude for, <laughs> for everything, you know, because you never know what, how anything is going to turn out in life, really. Exactly, so, exactly. So it's good to have that ability just to make it better than you thought it was going to be. Right, with the, right. With the setbacks. Yeah, it looks great in the photos. And then what? It looks and like you have what? what kind of, I mean, I have the, I have the advantage of being able to see the photos. Yes, yes. What did you use for the, for the foundation? Did you use concrete? We did, yes. Yep. Is that uh, controversial at all? Yeah, um, trying to get like high content fly ash is challenging um, still in this area. I don't know if some other places have better access to it. It is, it's a, it's a little bit of, so we're creating, you know, a carbon footprint by using concrete. And the way we're trying to justify that is that we're using, we're reusing an existing house. Right. So we're saving all of the embodied carbon that's already in all of the materials, um, you know, the flooring and the framing and the, all of that. So, um, so in our minds, we're probably carbon neutral still, um, but it's hard to, unless we sat down and did the, the dirty math um, to know exactly where we stand. Yeah. Well, I just, I'm just bringing that up because people don't have great things to say about it, but then what are the alternatives? So it would seem like you could still use concrete in their trade-offs and you, you say, we make up for that some other place of your project. Right. 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 Yeah. And I'm, you can probably get away without a slab, um, but it's really hard to get away without a foundation unless your, you know, your house is on piers. You know, one way to try to conserve how much concrete we were using is we did put our additions are on piers. So our mm -hmm. client entry and our mudroom are both up on piers and we have to, we had to kind of super insulate the floor because of it. So those are, those are options for, for ways you can reduce the amount of concrete you're using. Yeah, I, I think everything's a trade-off. Um, we, we're making it our goal to use as many, you know, new products as possible that we believe in. Um, so under our slab, we, we actually use gravel, which is recycled glass. Um, oh. it, it's a combination of um, gravel and insulation, um, which is typically put under the slab. Um, yes. and, yeah, I was just going to say when we started this project, which was 2018, um, mm -hmm. not necessarily the best time to start any project considering what's transpired in the years since, but Vermont was supposed to have their own gravel factory by now, um, up and running and it is underway. I think they started in November, um, manufacturing, mm. but because of COVID pandemic and all that, they delayed the opening of their manufacturing facility in Vermont. So we actually had to import the gravel, mm. um, from overseas. So that it's all those, you know, we, we plan ahead and we try to, to do things as sustainably as we can. Um, but the world has ways of uh, sticking a wrench in it, let's say. <laughs> well, 
but you're trying and yes. eventually we will be able to was that the only place in the u.s that they're going to be producing the gravel uh they manufacture it in pennsylvania um mm -hmm. as well currently um so it's they literally take 100 percent recycled glass they heat it up to a molten state they blow air bubbles into it and then it makes something similar to lava rock is the best way to describe it um mm -hmm. and we put 20 in, uh, 12 inches of that under our slab and that gets us an r20 and that also works as your your drainage gravel at the same time so you don't have to put you know typically you would put gravel underneath and then compact that and then put layers of insulation foam or otherwise under the slab mm. um, but this is an all-in-one insulation and drainage gravel at the same time well that's very interesting i have not heard of gravel I wrote that down, so I'm going right. to look into that later. Yeah, yeah. So you've made additions to the house as well. Yes. yes. So the, the program includes your uh, your studio? Yes. yes, our office. Yeah, about a third of the house is our um, new office space, which yeah. is part of the home. Um, so probably half the first floor, a little more than half the first floor is dedicated to our office. Um, hmm. So we have a conference room, three working spaces for us and our draftsmen and then like the client entry kind of airlock space. All right, so you moved the house, you poured the new foundation, and, and then what happened? <laughs> well, a, a little bit prior to that, the original farmhouse went through an awful lot of demolition. Uh, basically, we took it down to the studs. Yeah, so we hired a company, Deconstruction Works. They, oh, you did, yeah. And I had an interview with them. Oh, great. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. a few exactly. episodes back. Yeah. Yes. So Deconstruction Works came to our site, and um, there was an old 1970s edition. It was kind of like a three-season room that somebody had put on the house. Um, they deconstructed that, so they literally, you know, remove each piece by piece, and they either um, reuse it resell it or they donate it to a charity like uh, similar to Habitat for Humanity. Mm -hmm. um, that is so awesome. And you know what? People don't have any idea that that's even an option. So it seems like at the very minimum, people could do that. Yes, and, absolutely. absolutely. Especially on yeah. a renovation. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps it out of the landfill and other people can use it. I don't know. It's a win-win. People can also get tax credits. Did you get any tax credits for it? I don't think so. Our project, our demolition portion wasn't large enough really to get a tax credit. Yeah. But, we, yeah. we have done that with um, some of our client projects where we actually had an entire house uh, a couple of times, uh, an entire house deconstructed and they were able to get um, tax credit for that. Mm. Yeah, and it's some amazing lumber that they, they discover too. A lot of times it's, mm -hmm. you know, old growth fir two by fours and two by sixes. Mm -hmm. Or even chestnut. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. I just had, this is kind of an aside, but I was just thinking about renovating old houses and having to maybe uh, insulate the walls and do other stuff, but having to remove the trim to do that and then wanting to put it aside. Do you think you could hire them to do like deconstruct? Oh, absolutely. You could hire them to deconstruct the house and then put it aside and then we have some. Oh yeah, definitely. Yes, yes. yes. Um, almost, so. almost every time that we hire deconstruction works, which is a majority of the time that we're doing renovations, there will be things that the clients walk through and say, we want to keep this and that and this. And sometimes it's trim and sometimes it's a, a bullseye glass window or, you know, other specific details. And then they reuse, we reincorporate those to reuse them back into the new house as part of the renovation. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. 
You know, our mindset for our own project was that we, why it's taking so long is to be able to afford to make all the right changes so that this property, this house will last for like hundreds of years after we're gone. And, yeah. and that we're not leaving someone else with a burden um, in that, okay, well, we have to do this now and we will take our time and make sure it's the right materials, the right design, the right method and take our time to have that done. Yeah. So, you know, you think about it, you're starting with an 1880s farmhouse that was made, uh, you know, kind of cobbled together out of whatever wood they could find. And uh, we're trying to make it net zero. So, yeah. so that's a, that's a lot to ask of a, a house of that age, you know, 150 year old house to become a net zero house. And, yeah, it is. And not have, you know, I guess you could do it if you had a million solar panels. Um, mm -hmm. But that's not our goal. Our goal is to kind of use our community solar that we currently have for our 800 square foot house mm -hmm. and now have a 1700 mm -hmm. square foot house that, right. that uses the same amount of energy. Right. So, so the, the farmhouse itself, um, besides taking it down to the studs, um, we kept the roof. The existing roof is slate. Slate is also part of the neighborhood. Most house are, even our house here, every structure has slate roofs. Um, so we kept that. That's a very lucky place to be. In yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a 300-year roof, you know. Yeah. And so um, <laughs> the idea with our um, additions were that we wanted them to look like they were additions and not designed or built during, you know, the 1800s. So we went very contemporary with the additions. And those bump outs actually have slate siding um, and a metal roof and the farmhouse was going to have metal siding and a slate roof. So durable, long lasting. Yeah, you know, kind of fireproof, resilient materials, very little maintenance, if any. Mm. Um, yeah, so we're trying to trying to think ahead to, you know, what happens when we have forest fires in Vermont, you know, yeah. could be 10 years from now, 20 years from now, or 100 years from now, but maybe this house will already be fire resistant as best we can on the mm -hmm. outside. That's great. And what else are you incorporating that's local? Um, our flooring comes right from in town, um, the base of our mountain here, Mount Equinox, um, some pine, wide pine boards that are like 16 feet long. Hmm. So we had a client um, was building a house and had to clear some white pine trees uh, to do that. And um, they use some of the wood, but they had excess pine boards. Yep. So that's going to be our flooring for the house. Yep. And possibly the basement flooring is from another job site locally, and that would be maple. Yes. Maple flooring. And, and we're keeping the original floors on the second floor. Yep. As as they are. Yes. That's um that's pine too. It's probably yeah, an older yep. spruce yep. or something. Hmm. What do you do for your kitchens and bathrooms if you're following your I don't know oh. what you call them, your principles, your guidelines. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we try to use real wood. Mm -hmm. Yes. As part of it. And so um, our original plan from many years ago was that our builder was going to custom build all the cabinetry and he had access to a large black walnut tree that um, was cut down um, and he has the wood and 
We designed the kitchen to be made out of that black walnut. And, um, oh, because of COVID, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. Our project kind of took a different direction in the last two years, actually waiting for our builder to be available to work on our project. And now we're like fast tracking it because now we're really anxious to get in there. Trying to move in by this September. Yes. And um, the only way we could have a kitchen was to to actually go with a pre-made product which we are so um built in the united states it's actually built in canada which is closer to us probably than yes <laughs> that's true north carolina that is yes true. <laughs> um but um uh, anyway it's, it's a good product and solid wood yes okay so you tried to find like something that was a more sustainable product would be a, a solid wood cabinet yes. and yeah, yeah relatively low right Yep. Yep, yep. At least it's trees, local trees that are sequestering the carbon that we're using. We're leaving them in their solid wood form. Uh, We're not adding glues and adhesives to them and Mm -hmm. turning Mm -hmm. them into particle board, et cetera. Right. And and all our countertops are going to be local marble. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course, Um, that would make sense. What does the Vermont uh, marble look like? Oh, there's um, various veins. So it's primarily white and has streaks of tones of like light beige to black Mm. and so the just kind of veining like little streaks small specks of it yeah um our go-to is called imperial dandy marble and that seems to have like the the right balance of negative white space with hints of brown which always looks beautiful with um natural you know wood floors and a little bit of black to add drama (laughs) That sounds great. All right. I wrote that down too. And then what about your bathroom? You said you make everything out of wood in the bathroom? Oh yeah. Well, our- Not uh, the toilet. Not the toilet. toilet. Okay. Well, thanks. I was (laughs) going to ask. Definitely a dual flush, low flow toilet. Mm -hmm. Uh, The same wood floors go into the bathrooms. And that's something we we do on almost every single project we work on is continuing wood floors into bathrooms. And the the vanity is, is- Wood from Canada, <laughs> marble, marble countertop. We're going to take a break to talk about our sponsor for this episode, the National Council for Architectural Registration Boards, also known as NCARB. For those of you who don't know, NCARB's a nonprofit organization that's made up of the 55 licensing boards in the U.S. and its territories. So if you're a licensed architect, you would be going through NCARB at some point and also possibly have an NCARB certificate, which allows you to apply for reciprocal licensure in all the different states and jurisdictions. So they put out a survey called the Analysis of Practice Study, and it's your opportunity to shape the future of architecture. Honestly, if you're a licensed architect, why not just fill out this survey? I'm sure you've thought about these issues that they bring up in the survey quite a lot, and now's your chance. So whether you're an architect or you work with architects, NCARB wants to hear from you. So make sure your voice is heard. Go on over to ncarb.org slash AOP. That's N-C-A-R-B dot org slash A-O-P. Now back to our conversation. This might be a good way to circle back into the demolition process um, (laughs) as artwork for the powder room Mm -hmm. that we're going to have downstairs, which is going to be shared between our office for our clients and our 
the, house. It's the middle room. It's the middle room right in between the two spaces. Um, but we're going to uh, basically make like shadow boxes of all the things that we found in the walls mm. of the house oh, when we were renovating it. I love it. that. Yeah. Of, of the smaller bits. The smaller bits. So it's interesting. We found like shoes and toys and a scythe and a Bible <laughs> and some rope and marbles and you know, like ceramic spice canisters. Wow. Um, you're gonna, yeah. And you're putting them all in their own shadow boxes and putting them all over the wall? Yeah. yeah all, all the small parts. All yeah. the small ones wow. can, that can fit in there. Well, I hope you invite me up because I want to see that. Oh, I want to yeah. see the whole oh, thing, yeah. but I want to see, I want to see that too. I love that idea. Yeah. You ever see a, a, the front of a marching band? There's like a majorette out front mm -hmm. and she usually has like this, it's not a baton a staff or something like that but it has like a sphere on one mm -hmm. tip oh yeah that um with ribbons and tassels we found one of those in the walls what do you mean like when you say in the walls what do you mean just in the studs of in the stud pockets? yeah in between yeah. the studs in between the studs so there were you know dead bugs 150 years of dust and then all these random objects in the walls how'd they get in there so some of it was actually done for superstition mm. um so the shoes are there all right, the shoes are there to keep witches out of the house. Okay, don't, um, okay excuse me for interrupting, but don't you think you should leave them there in that case? We, we were, were, we're going to have yeah. a- Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna put a shoe in the wall. We're gonna have a shoe, a shoe returning party okay, so, so as some, part of the, the, right. ceremony, the christening ceremony I've of the house. I've never heard that before, it keeps the witches out. Yeah, yeah. So that was a Victorian day um superstition so the sole of your shoe and your shoe like fits your foot and um supposedly it's like the witches get confused with that soul versus your soul uh, okay and they will a go in there is that a homonym is that what it or a homophone, homophone? I, yeah maybe so um, witches don't know like they can't tell whether you mean soul or soul yeah like i that. guess so and uh okay. supposedly they it lures the witches and it traps them inside the shoe i see well, you know, um, we've told the story of our project to many people, and it was someone who, who we know who was listening to our story said, you know, I found out this information, and, and I think it relates to your house, and it had to do with in our area and um, the witches and the right time period and yeah. the shoes being in the walls. And then the, wow. the scythe, you know, one of those scythes that you used to cut down fields mm -hmm. of hay with. Or death also uh, uses one. Is that related to yeah. death? So so, so that's in the walls to keep the devil away. Oh, the devil. Supposedly. Yeah. Yep, yep. Right, good. Well, so that was another superstition. Yeah. We found a, a wooden crutch, definitely beautifully handmade, custom, one-of-a-kind wooden crutch. Um, we haven't haven't found out if that's tied to superstition or was just in there for fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm just trying to imagine. So someone had, when they built the house, they had all these open stud pockets and they filled them with various things like here's yes. davy's crutch let's put that in the wall to remember him and it was a little bit like a time capsule maybe how, maybe how yeah. Big yeah. Is, how big is this platter room going to be it seems like it's going to have to be pretty big to house the you know, oh, yeah the shadow boxes few. are going to be for the small trinkets oh just the small ones not the like crutch yeah. yeah and and you know um I, i'm thinking that there there might have been open cavities upstairs like access it was balloon it's balloon frames oh, okay and um, I think there were some foster children in the 50s um, in that home. And, and I'm picturing that they they somehow were able to just like drop things in the walls that they hmm. they didn't 
for fun. Yeah. 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 Because it'd be a, a, you know, a children's Bible and some like a little race car toy and and there was some, some risk, risky stuff too that you know maybe it was like oh, yeah. oh no it was a Fredericks of Hollywood catalog <laughs> uh oh from, yeah from the 1950s which, which was, was which was like if you were going on a cruise and you wanted some. <laughs> party clothing yeah that's where you got it okay back then. well yeah. you know what's funny is that those children who lived in that house might still be alive and they may listen to this show and then they'll say i'm the one who had to hide that fredericks of hollywood catalog <laughs> and it fell into the wall <laughs> absolutely we've, ac we've, yeah. we've actually had um the children um, of the or i guess the grandchildren of the former owner uh stop by the house mm. and they're very appreciative that we were taking the effort to to save it and to to restore it um, to its old glory. So yeah, that's always been always been a nice experience. Yeah, that's great. So, do you have a checklist? I know that this is the work you do all the time. Um, do you have I don't know? Let's say when you're trying to sell this approach to potential clients, do you have a list of like five things that you do all the time? You know, using local materials or do you have something that, yeah, that sure. guides you and guides your projects? Definitely local materials. Yeah, I would say that we, we don't physically have a checklist, mm -hmm. to be clear, okay. um, but we certainly have- um, the, the mental list. Yes, the mental list of things that we- uh, Like how to eliminate fossil fuels. Yes. Um, yeah, so we try to go net zero and uh, all electric mm -hmm. with, with the renovation. Right, part of our demolition was one of the first things we did was tear off two chimneys from the house yeah i saw that in the eaves yeah and dig up a 500 gallon propane tank which we would never use again mm. and what do you do with that once you dig it up the propane company came and took it back oh good yep. good and they said now what are you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> and we're like we're not using fossil fuels ever again yeah. um but we're planning on heating the house with the ground source heat pump oh very cool um, all new houses that we've done 10 years, 13 years. 13 years, I think it is, um, have all been ground source heat pump. Um, with one exception, we did a tiny um, affordable house and that was air source heat pumps. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, uh, ground source heat pumps and definitely air sealing, very good building envelope. So high efficiency, high R value building well, envelope. We've been adding insulation to this structure for four years. <laughs> Okay, good. What are you, what are you using? Great oh. question. So in the basement, You're using um, shoes and old crutches and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in the basement, beside the gravel, so we have a foot of gravel R twenty under the slab, mm -hmm. um, and then the walls are all uh, reclaimed EPS insulation. So there's a company in New York State, not far from here, that uh, basically when People are tearing out, I think it's old docks, which often use insulation as their flotation. Mm -hmm. He gets the pieces from that. So we've acquired a, a, a boatload <laughs> of uh, four and five inch thick insulation, used insulation from him. And uh, that's going to be in the wall, uh, against the concrete walls. And then we're also going to have a stud wall to the inside of that. And we'll probably fill that with some kind of bat material like rock wool or wood fiber board or something like that okay very interesting and then, and then upstairs upstairs our our magic sandwich for the walls mm -hmm. upstairs is dense pack cellulose on the inside mm -hmm. 
a fully adhered uh, membrane for the weather resistive barrier on the outside of the sheathing, and then three inches of exterior insulation. Uh, thermal buck around the windows, which is a fully thermally broken frame, I guess would be the best way to describe it, that is made out of e uh, high density EPS insulation and it has something very similar to like Rhino liner on the outside. Oh, okay. So all the exterior trim has to go, obviously, because it'd be way deeper than the corner boards or any of that stuff will be taken off and then reapplied on the fatter. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So the house grows by, you know, four Six inches inches. because we add, we also add strapping and then the siding. Mm -hmm. So the house gets bigger by four inches all the way around. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a drainage plane with the strapping behind the metal siding. And then we have our three inches of insulation. Then we have the weather resistive air barrier, mm -hmm. the sheathing, and then the rock wool. Is that the way yeah. you always do it for your projects? Yes. Yeah. That's our, that's your, we developed that. We developed that in 2015. I had gone, gone to several courses with Joe Stebrick. Um, he teaches all these different building science courses. So I had been going to him for a few years, um, taking different classes and developed this wall system based on what I was learning there. And then in 2015, I had to convince a client and a builder to use this wall system because in my mind, it made perfect sense. It was, you know, vapor open in both directions. So it can dry no matter which way the moisture is coming into the wall. It can dry in either in interior or exterior. And I fortunately, the, the builder and the client went along with it. And right after like two or three months after we finished the project, Joe Stebrick came out with a paper and it showed as his wall example, this exact system that I had come up with. And it was kind of vindicating because I was like, all right, <laughs> I did something. I, I learned something, I developed something. And now I have, you know, a little bit more confidence that it's the right wall system. Hmm. Oh, that's good. And we were, we were able to get our local lumber yard to carry all these products yeah. because yeah. Um, that that's, you know, if the local builder cannot easily get these products, they're, it's very hard to make them, you know, go the extra mile to, to try to find them. So with our lumber yard carrying them, like there's no excuse, they, everyone can be using them. And funny that client that um, first decided to trust Alan and, and let's go for it is our new neighbors. Oh, we move. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Well, good. Yeah. I was a little worried about your story because I was afraid it was going to two or three months later, something would have happened to the wall. So I'm glad to hear <laughs> that, he, that he he published your wall. Did he know about it or did he just come up uh, with that as in parallel to you? He didn't. He didn't. Yeah, yeah, he he did completely. As far as I know, I mean, I asked him some questions during class, mm. which who knows if they spurred some oh. thought process or not. But right. um, I'm not taking credit for designing it. Um well, it's funny because we, we were visiting clients that actually is going to be in our new neighborhood um, that we did another house for new construction. And we were visiting them like last weekend. Um, they're just lovely people and they're our new friends. And they, they were referring to like how comfortable they are in their home. They have the ground source heat system and um, 
and all our methods and materials for our wall system. And they refer to that as AWS, <laughs> Alan's wall system. Alan's wall system, oh, okay. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, the AWS well. You know, <laughs> I like uh, AWS. I was thinking of calling yeah. it magic sandwich, but um, <laughs> AWS sounds a little more uh, like scientific. Well, <laughs> so what are you using for siding on the existing house? Yeah, so um, it's corrugated whitish metal that's going to run horizontally. So if you step back, it mimics um, traditional clabbered siding. Right. Um, but when you're up close, you're like, oh, this is this is actually metal. But it just I think it looks great and we'll have like a something like a 30 year warranty on it, you know, no maintenance, um, which is huge yeah. for us. Yeah, and then for our trim, we're using a product called Laurel, which is made out of fly ash. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I that's going to be our trims. Well, it sounds really awesome. Are you planning, because it's part of your office, are you planning on having an open house? A, oh, oh a, yeah. We'll, a we'll, nationwide open house? We can invite all of us. <laughs> it, it'll always be on display, I think. And, and part of our living spaces um, is the goal to have clients or or just people who are interested come and see what we've done and and show everyone you know these are the products that we believe in and um, can change how how people think about building and also our you know our methods and some of the technology um, that we use oh yeah and in our the entryway our client entryways because we have two mudrooms one on each side of the house one for us and one for the client um, we're going to have like a cutaway section in the wall mm. to actually show oh here's the uh, original farmhouse stud and our um, sheathing and um, the the layers of insulation and the, the bucking around the window so it'll kind of be like this little cut away because awesome. it's a yeah it's like an exterior wall that's going to be encapsulated by this mud room so it'll be able to show like the the entire wall sandwich <laughs> in cross section um, yeah. i love thinking of it as a wall sandwich and somehow i haven't thought of it as that until just now so yeah, yeah. put that in my <laughs> mind now for the rest of my career but i have one last question for you because you'd mentioned that you got your local lumber yard to carry all these products which is a great service to the community actually, because then everybody can use it, whether or not they're your clients, right? In theory. So how can people go about getting their lumber yards to carry products that like this? How could you get people to do that? Should they just go in and yeah, ask um, or are they gonna wanna carry it or does yeah. it have to be a certain like petition? Yeah, I mean, fortunately for us, we're in the profession where we can work with contractors and other architects and we can kind of create a demand for some of these products. Mm. Um, it was, it was challenging because a lot of a lot of the products we currently use um, were only available for uh, commercial products uh, projects. So being able to have them sourced locally was helpful. We we kind of come from a small town, so we know the person who owns our local lumberyard. Um, so we we're able to sit down and have the conversation with them, mm. and um, we're able to show them our you know kind of our what we're using for a wall system and what materials it in incorporates and they're like yeah we could stock that and then it you know one of the greatest things now is just driving around 
the area at large mm -hmm. and seeing our wall system being used by other builders that we've never even talked to, worked with. Mm -hmm. um, so so but it's that, being embraced right, that, regionally. That makes us happy. Yeah. Like, um, you know, we've, we've had, you know, installation um, seminars here at our office um, just to show local builders, you know, to touch and feel and work with these materials. So we're encouraging all other builders to use it. Well, that's a great, you know, that's just a great service. So thank you for doing that. You know, because everybody should be using, be more mindful of the products that they're using, ideally. Especially if they, wor they work, uh, they do the, you know, the function that you need them to do and they do it better than what's out there now. You know, stapled up Tyvek without tape seams is a very loose uh, wall system, you know, in our eyes and, and having something that's fully adhered and self-sealing and doesn't need to be stapled or taped um, because it's fully adhered makes all the difference in how tight a building can get. So we've been getting, you know, numbers of well below one HCH 50, so one air exchange at uh, 50 pascals mm. on all of our, you know, new houses and mm. renovations. So, and that's, that's very Just impressive. by using the right products. That's great. Yeah. You're an inspiration to me. So she's gonna, I'm going <laughs> to keep following you. How do other people follow you? Do you have any blogs or just your website where you post updates or? We do have a pretty good website. Um, we, have, we have articles on there. Mm. We have, so we've been published in, I think, five magazines now. Um, right. So art, articles about. In awards. So I think um, when people search for anything to do with um, sustainability. Um, not only is that part of our business name, but if they go to our website, they can really see that our accolades. And we've done uh, YouTube videos. So we have, I think it's about 40 YouTube videos wow. that we've done on different energy efficiency uh, related products. So whether it's like a water heater or a heat pump or a type of insulation system. Okay, great. Um, we've, done, we've done videos and on those. Those can be linked from your website? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah. what is your website? Yeah. It's sdvermont.com. Oh, okay. So it stands for Sustainable Design. Which is the name of your firm. Yes. yes. Well, Ellen yeah. and Nancy, thank you so much. I am imagining you're a very awesome house and I can't wait to see it in person someday in October. We look forward to you visiting. <laughs> Thank you to NCARB for their support of this podcast episode. Visit ncarb.org AOP and contribute to the analysis of practice survey today. Thanks for listening. I hope you subscribe to this podcast. If you don't, please head over to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. And if you have time to write a review, that would be so helpful. Please contact me for any reason at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. I love to hear from people. You can also join my Facebook group, which is Talking Home Renovations Together. And I'm on there with a bunch of people who have also been on the show, have been guests on the show, and other architects and homeowners and contractors. And so we can just talk about whatever issues people might have right there in the Facebook group. If you're on Clubhouse, come join me 10 a.m. Eastern, Saturday mornings. There is so much information on my website, which is TalkingHomeRenovations.com. Head over there for transcripts, episode enhancements, other information. If you want to be a guest, that's where you'll find that information in the application. This podcast is a member of Gable Media, which is the largest AEC network 
on the planet. Check out the other content on the network at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. This podcast is a production of my architecture firm, Demios Architects, where we believe architects are for everyone. Until next time, take care.